Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on the Backstage Chargers podcast presented by Toyota. A bit later, Hall of Fame wide receiver James Lofton discusses the hot start of Mike Williams. I'll also sit down with team dietitian Erica Capolino and she'll reveal some things that may surprise you about a pro athlete's diet. But first, rookie safety Derwin James joins me on his day off and we talk about the impressive start to his NFL career. All right, welcome into episode four of Backstage Chargers presented by Toyota. And today, a very special guest, safety Derwin James joins me. And Derwin, you're kind enough to have us in your home on your day off, man. We really appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Tell me about Tuesdays. I mean, this is it's essentially you're at the facility and then you're here, right, during the season? Yeah. Uh, well, usually on my Tuesdays, I try to get, you know, a massage or get some body work. Uh, usually they come in and really just relax my body and, you know, look over my plays, look at the film, and, you know, get ready for the next opponent. At the same time, you probably got to relax your mind a little bit and yeah. get your mind off the game. So you, you knock that stuff out in the morning and then yeah, in get the, into some games? Yeah, in the morning. Then later on, like when it's time for bed, just looking at film just that way. So I, when I go to sleep, it's on my mind, you know, getting ready for tomorrow. No doubt. So, all right. So we're here though, and I, and I see the Madden's on. Yeah. The sticks are out. Oh yeah, man. right. I see, Always. I see Chargers, Rams, Chargers, Broncos. Who do you run with normally? Chargers. Uh, yeah, the Chargers. You know, this is my first time. You know, actually being on the game versus. You know, me me having to always create myself. Now they find I'm finally on the game. <laughs> now you're in it, and they right? got me pretty good on here, also. So, you know, it's kind of fun. Wait, so do the ratings go up each week? Yeah, they go up. Okay, each week. So, so what's Darwin James' rating after after week three? I think I'm like an 82, 81. That's not high enough, man. Man, yeah, they gotta get that fit. What was it? Uh, it started off like at 79. Okay, so it's it's slowly rising. Yeah, They're slowly learning. Yeah. So what, what teams do you usually run with besides the Chargers? Uh, you know, I play with Jacksonville. Uh, got a good defense. Um, you got you got Jalen. Yeah, I got to get my boy Jalen out there. Play with the Texans, my boy Watson. Yeah. So those are usually my three teams. So pregame, I talked to Virgil Green about this. Just, I'm always fascinated by you know, what you guys do. Day before a game. What's a pregame routine for you, even dating back to Florida State? How, how do you get yourself ready for a game? Uh, really just, you know, I, I, I believe in a lot of, like, meditating, you know, just, like, just turn off and all the lights, like, the night before the game and just visualize yourself making the plays on the on the field. And, you know, I have my music on, have my have my slow music on, just envisioning, making plays, and then, you know, after that, I'm pretty much locked in, and like I say, the music. I'm I'm real big on music. Big on music. All right, yeah. what are we what are we listening to? I listen to some everything. Yeah, man. rap, rap, really R and B. You know, uh, all type of music. Who gets you hype, man? Uh, NBA Youngboy, Future, uh, Kodak, different different rap. Yeah. yeah. All right. So first three NFL games, 15 tackles, two sacks. You had a couple tackles for loss against the Bills. You had your first career interception. Um, there's been a lot of praise on the outside, but really the most important critic is yourself. How would you assess the first three weeks? Uh, I feel like, um, you know, um, as a team, I feel like, you know, as a defense, you know, we could be playing better um, right now. And I feel like we're just really trying to find our rhythm. And as um, far as me, you know, I'm just trying to get better each week. Some, um, whatever the coach's game plan for me to, is during the week, you know, take it in and just, you know, go out there and make the plays that come to me. And um, like I said, still room to grow. And I feel like I'm still growing as a player. You know, one of the things I think, if I could use one word to describe the way you've attacked this preseason, it's just been really fearless. I mean, you, yeah. you've come into this thing and you've said, listen, it's not too big 
for me. You know, the, the game's not too fast for me. And you've proven it not only through the preseason, but through the first three games. Does it feel like each week's getting slower or has it always just felt that way for you? I mean, like, ever since a kid, um, you know, I always had confidence. You know, I never was arrogant or cocky, but I always, you know, had confidence and I was always athletic and, you know, just more talented. And every time I take the field, I'm the best player on the field. You know, I come in with that mindset. And, you know, I just continue to work during the week and get myself prepared for the game. And then I feel like in the game, it's, it's slow. It's kind of easy for me. And I'm still, you know, getting better and still learning and going against good offenses that we've been facing, uh, you know, with Kansas City and the Rams. And um, when we had practice with uh, the Saints, just seeing all the good quarterbacks and practicing against Phillip also, I feel like that's having me as a player. The practice is the fact that you probably put a lot on yourself to just make those things as hard as possible and your yeah. workouts. Does it really make the game easier? Because you hear that a lot with, with teams that, that, that have tough practices. All that stuff prepares them for Sundays, and then Sunday is easy. Yeah, you, I feel like um, I fell a lot during the week at practice. And, you know, I put myself through, like, tough situations, and my coach do uh, a great job assimilating the hardest thing that I may see in the game. So, you know, I'm not – I feel like Coach Gus always tell me, you know, when you're uncomfortable, that's when you get the most growth. So, you know – uh, they put me through uncomfortable situations in practice. And um, like I say, when it just – the plays, when they're there, you know, I, I can see myself making them. Yeah, and when you get put in uncomfortable situations, I think sometimes people could approach it one of two ways. You, you get down on yourself like, oh, you know, that's not what I was expecting out of myself. Or you could look at it from, all right, next time that happens, I'm going to be ready for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's pretty much how I look at it. Um, really, just what you said, um, just when I'm uncomfortable, I know I'm getting the, the most growth out of everything. You know, growing up, who were your NFL idols? You know, who, who did you look up to, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, growing up, um, I was a big Sean Taylor fan. Everybody know that. Yeah. Um, uh, also, you know, I was a fan of, uh, you know, Earl Thomas, uh, Troy Polamalu, Ed Reed, those types of safety. You know, those playmaking safety that make make a lot of plays and move around a lot. And, uh, you know, that's why I see myself. Um, those guys. You know, Sean Taylor, Lewis Riddick made the comparison about a month ago, and a lot of people have compared you to Sean Taylor. I remember seeing him up close and some of the stuff he did. And I remember just – watching him snap the step, you always had your eye on 21. I, f- I feel like that's what Chargers fans are learning. You always got your eye on 33. Uh, when you hear those Sean Taylor comparisons, how does it make you feel knowing that you grew up and, and you watched him? Uh, you know, um, it's kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't really like it too much. Yeah. I don't really like, you know, being compared to him because, you know, you know, he's he's not alive, you know, currently with us. And, you know, I, I just try to, you know, go out and just be, be the best, be myself, uh, the best Der- version of Derwin James and, you know, create my own legacy, you know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. You know, but um like I say, he's a great player, you know, um always gonna be one of my favorite players. You trained in the off season with Earl Thomas and I mean this guy's a seasoned vet. He's still doing I think he had a couple of picks on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, what have you learned from from Earl and in his game and how you can apply it to things you do on the field? Uh, uh I, I really when I was training in Texas with Earl, I tried to pick his brain as much as I could. Because um, it's crazy because they play the same de- exact same defense that we play. Yeah. So, you know, I asked them a lot of questions and, uh, you know, we watched a little film. And uh, just I just tried to, you know, um, see what his routine, his daily routine was. You know, see how he work out, see how how he take care of his body. And, you know, I learned a lot from, from him. And um, like I say, he always a person that's checking on me. Um, he called me last week. Yeah. Check on me also. So, you know. Rams and Chiefs, you mentioned – they're probably the two most explosive offenses in yeah. the league. 
it's got to be a benefit. I think if you take it, if you look at it from a positive perspective, a benefit to see those types of teams early, knowing that you can make adjustments based on what you saw. Yeah, uh, that's why I said um, I feel like I'm getting the most growth because we're playing against some of the best it offenses. Never stops, right? Yeah, every week I feel like those are the number one and number two offenses in the league. Tyreek Hill, we got Brandon Cooks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Really top flight quarterbacks. Ty Gurley, there's a lot of guys that we're going against, and I feel like. You know, we're not all the way fully healthy right now with a couple guys down, but I feel like, uh, you know, we're still learning and um, it's a lot of room for us to grow. How much better do you think, not only yourself, but the back end will get once Joey gets back too? Because Joey's one of the fiercest pass rushers in this league. Oh, yeah, Joey, I mean, he, he gets back there pretty fast. Um, and uh, also, getting a guy like back like Corey, uh, you know, that can help on the D-line Absolutely. Also. So getting those guys back, I feel like uh, help, help a lot, um, especially with them rushing me. Uh, mixed with Joey and Melvin, I feel like that can create havoc. That's so, wild. <laughs> so, you know, um, we'll be excited. You know, we talk about this defense uh, and some of the some of the vets in the secondary and really just on the defense in general. Who are a few guys that you've gravitated towards and um, really has helped you throughout your first few months as a pro? Uh, I'd say Jaleel Dye and Adrian Phillips, those two guys. Uh, and uh, also Casey Hayward. Uh, really, but those two guys, Jaleel and uh, Adrian, it's kind of like they took me under their wing, kind of. Yeah. And they're always talking to me during every play and practice and in the games. And uh, just making sure I'm on top of everything. And uh, like it's like having a coach out there with yeah. me you know, on the field, you know what I'm saying? So, savvy vets. You got Jaleel from Florida. Yeah, right? from Florida. Yeah. And then Adrian, guy from Texas. Longhorn, man. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's good having the guys from the South, you know, help me out there. Going into the San Francisco game, uh, what do you guys need to do to secure this win and, and and get back, you know, get back to two and two and and start doing your thing? Uh, just really just come out and play Chargers football. I feel like um we need to you know limit some of the penalties that's cost us, you know, as a defense and uh, clean up special teams a little bit. And uh, I feel like um just do, come out and just do our job. And I feel like we have the talent and the guys to do uh to to have a good uh, game come Sunday. So you know, I just feel like we just need to have a good week of practice. You see LeBron in purple and gold? Yeah. Yeah, LeBron. <laughs> team LeBron, man. Yeah, Team LeBron. Well, yeah. and you may have told Dan Wookie that your yeah. favorite NBA team is LeBron James, yeah. right? Yeah, that's my favorite team. <laughs> What's it going to be like to, to be uh, with LeBron? You look at the champions in this league and yeah. the champions in this city, You know, yeah. guys like Kobe, guys like LeBron. Uh, the fact that, you know, with your play, I mean, you'd be right up there with yeah. with some of the elite athletes in the city. Uh, that means a lot, man, because, like I said, growing up, just watching LeBron James, having posters on my wall of LeBron, and, you know, finally, you know, mentioning the same sentence, like you say, with LeBron, I mean, that speaks for itself. And, you know, like I said, I'm going to continue to work, you know, create my own legacy. Darwin, it's your day off, man. We can't thank you enough for your, uh, for your time and letting us in your house, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday, bro. Oh, no problem, man. All thank right. you. All right, I want to tell you about this rare chance for you and a guest to join the Chargers on the field before kickoff. You get two tickets to a game and a special VIP meet and greet with our guys, NFL analysts Daniel Jeremiah and Matt Money-Smith. Enter for the chance to win this backstage Chargers prize pack by going to chargers.com slash win for all the rules and details. No purchase necessary. It's open to Southern California area residents 18 and over. This ends January 10th, 2019. Again, go to chargers.com slash win for all the rules and details. All right, as we roll on here on Backstage Chargers, presented by Toyota, coming to you from the Hoke Performance Center. And what I love about this podcast is it gives the listener 
a peek behind the curtain here at the Chargers, and it's not just players and coaches. There's so many people behind the scenes that make this football operation go in a positive direction. And my next guest is no different. She plays a vital role in feeding the Chargers. Very pleased to be coming to you from the office of team dietitian Erica Capolino. Erica, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I was really excited to have you on because you you essentially set the course for what, when, and, and how these guys eat in an effort to make sure they're at their best on the football field. So I thought we'd just begin the conversation with you just going into as much detail as you want to go into about your role here with the team. Sure. So as a dietitian, I kind of have my feet into a couple of different pools. Um, The first and most important to me is the performance nutrition side of it. So basically what this includes is all fuel and hydration in and around practice and games. Um, That includes anything from meal plans, pre-workout, post-workout, fuel at the end of each quarter and halftime. And then Moving into some of the clinical nutrition, I work with our injured guys to develop plans um, and using nutrition to aid the recovery process, speed the return to play time, uh, minimizing like the time off of the grass. And then the last component is sort of our food service nutrition. So that has anything to do with working with our caterers and hotels to develop menus, um, working with the airlines to have menus for the planes done. Essentially, these guys, they have to eat a certain way. And you have to make sure that they are on that correct path during the season, right? Absolutely. Take me through your, your journey to get to this position. You started with the Rams, but it goes way beyond that in you being an athlete, right, at USC? It does. I uh, started running track and cross country at USC, and we hired a sports dietitian who started working with our team really closely. And being an athlete, I realized the importance of nutrition in performance and recovery. So I started working closely with her, um, working at her fueling station and um Then I applied to grad school and I got a master's degree in nutrition. And so I was able to work with all sports at USC except for football. I worked all of the field sports. So football was the only uh, team you didn't work with? It was. I worked with all of the field sports during my undergraduate time. And then I worked with all of the court sports during my graduate school. How are sports different? Eric, and how you approach it based on, let's say it's it's field hockey versus track versus now football. I imagine there's things that cross over to every sport, but I imagine there's also some differences. Yes. Um, the main difference, I think, is the timing of the games or the matches. Um, so basically, nutrition is nutrition. Um, the idea is to provide like carbohydrates and protein before, during, and after, but you want to make sure that depending on the length of the game that you're handing things out or making things available to players at a specific time. So for example, uh, when you have a one o'clock kick for a football game, guys are eating pregame meal earlier in the day at like eight or nine o'clock. So by the time they finish up at the end of the game at four or five, they've gone very long periods of time without eating. So you want to make sure that things are available at pregame before they play during the game, after the game, all the time. <laughs> yeah. And and then that's obviously different for um, field hockey or yep. lacrosse or, uh, you know, track and field, for instance. Yes, absolutely. So I can relate to track uh, most closely. 
because I ran track. So looking at something like a track meet, um, events are starting all day. So you could be running the mile at the very beginning of the track meet starting at 8 a.m. and then also running the four by four at the very end of the track meet at 6 p.m. So the idea is to make sure that you're getting the fuel that you need about an hour before practice or before you're competing and then also making sure that you're consuming things that are easily digestible but giving you the energy that you need to perform and recover in between those events. So take me through like just a typical week here at the Hope Performance Center with our players. You know, let's just let's start it like on a Wednesday when we officially start game week. We're taping this uh, on a Tuesday so the players are off, but let, let's say they get in in the mornings on Wednesday. What are they eating in an effort to be at their best during practice? Um, so Wednesdays and Thursdays are kind of our longer day. Um, my goal with them is to focus on beginning or finalizing the recovery process from Monday and Tuesday and the weekend um, and kind of transitioning into into this optimal fueling and peak performance phase. Mm -hmm. So for Wednesdays and Thursdays, I want to make sure that they're getting a really good breakfast in. Um, they're recovering in before they're lifting and after they're lifting. And then since we practice in the afternoon, we try to alter their meals a little bit so that they're still able to get the perform the energy that they need before practice without feeling overly full. Yeah. And then eating something again after practice since they compromise what they were eating before. So they're pretty much fueling all day long. Yeah. How much science goes into all of this? And when we talk about the advancements in nutrition, I always feel like as a professional athlete, of course, that's one of the main priorities is, is making sure you're, you're eating the proper foods. But uh, at the same time, I feel like there's been so many advancements and, and science is constantly changing, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, it, nutrition is something that to me is kind of counterintuitive that it's now an evolving field just because nutrition and food is something that's always been around. Yeah. Um, but now dietitians are starting to gain a lot of momentum and people are starting to see the importance and the benefits of having them full-time on staff. Um, so there's always new science coming out um, and people are discovering things about foods now that they didn't know before. So for example, beets are really high in nitric oxide, which help promote oxygen and nutrient flow to muscles. So yeah. it will decrease um, the like lactic acid and increase your energy levels and decrease fatigue. So there are things like that that are always coming out, but people have to, we, we need the right sample sizes and populations and studies in order to apply the science to the populations that we're currently working with. So in terms yeah. of sports nutrition, that's a much smaller field just because of the, it's the 1% of the world that's able to perform at this high professional level. Um, so those sample sizes are a lot smaller, but at the same time, it's still growing and we're still able to implement some things. Well, you mentioned it, it is the 1% of the world that has to perform at a level like playing in the National Football League. Can you give me an example of something that our listeners and our fans may be taken aback by? Like, oh my gosh, like they're eating this or they're doing this at this time? You know, something that may not be part of somebody's everyday routine. Sure. Um, it's kind of everything in moderation, including moderation. So one thing that I found about athletes that I think that most people would be surprised about is that they love um, very simple foods, almost like kid foods. Mm -hmm. And that actually has a performance benefit because most of those things are more easily digested. And so they end up enhancing your performance. And it's food that they can eat that isn't going to 
deter from their performance out on the field but still give them the energy that they need do you work with players one-on-one on on their nutrition plans like because everybody's different but i imagine you go from position groups to just individual players within those position groups how does that work so i'll meet one-on-one with the players if they would like my help Mm -hmm. um and with that i kind of try to work with whatever they need so if somebody needs a meal prep service then i'll reach out to the contacts that i have and get them set up other people need a little bit more attention meaning that they need me, me to tell them what to eat before practice an hour through practice at halftime an hour after practice so i break it down um, a little bit more detailed depending on what the player needs with with these guys every position group is different. So like say an offensive lineman wants more muscle mass or, you know, some position group wants to be leaner and quicker. Uh, How does that work? How do you implement a nutrition plan based on the position group of the player and and what they're trying to strive to on the field? So a lot of things go into that. Um, The first thing that I take into account is the body compositions that I do. So I'm able to look at what their percent uh, muscle mass is versus their fat mass um, and consider their resting metabolic rate. And then I also work with the strength and conditioning coaches to find out what weight they're supposed to report at and what they feel comfortable playing so at. So that goes hand in hand, the communication with the strength and conditioning versus the plan that you put in place. The, the communication there has to be in, in, in lockstep. Absolutely. Just because nutrition is kind of a floating department. I work with athletic training. I work with strength and conditioning. I work with operations. So my goal is is to reach out to all of the departments to find out what this player is currently doing and what their goal is and where do they feel comfortable. So I really try to make it as individualized as possible. Um, I also work with some of the player tracking data and looking at what kind of energy levels they're expending out on the field and how many yards they're covering. And I take those things into account within each position group as well so one lineman has very different needs than another lineman so it gets that specific based on what's going on on the practice field how how much guys are 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 running around throughout the day versus like okay this is how many calories you need in your in your nutrition plan yes absolutely i think a lot of people were surprised at that when we were started conducting uh, body comps and weights just because what 250 looks like on one guy doesn't look like 250 on another guy. So I've really tried to stress the fact that your numbers and your data is your data and um, you have to be confident in yourself and what feels comfortable for you rather than comparing yourself to other people because you can only be the best that you can be by (laughs) being you. So Exactly. And speaking of that, you know, Isaac Rochelle has been very open about his his plant-based diet. Are you seeing that more with players? And, And how does that change a nutrition plan knowing that somebody is doing things more plant-based at at different positions so isaac was actually the first guy that i talked to when i got here and he's very in tune with his nutrition which makes my job a lot easier um i haven't seen too many people transitioning at least in the nfl from like a normal diet to being vegan but when somebody does come to me with one of those requests or tell me that they want to be vegan for X, Y, and Z reasons. I try to take that into account and just make sure that we're all on the same page because I want them to feel good when they're playing, but I also want to make sure that they're getting all of the nutrition that they need. Mm -hmm. So for someone who's like a vegan, I can go through and make them a plan based off of 
a plant-based diet, but my job is to also supplement the things that they're missing out on. So supplement things like iron and vitamin B and calcium and zinc that you would get from animal products. Got it. Okay. So what do you, for, for protein, like what's the best source of protein for somebody who's just for a vegan? a vegan? Yeah, for a vegan. Um, there's a lot of plant-based options. There's a lot of things called complete proteins too. So matching things like cheese and bread or beans and rice that make a complete protein that give you all of the amino acids that you need. There's also a lot of plant-based protein powders that I encourage them to take just because their caloric expenditures and the, the calories and protein needs are so high. Yeah. Okay, food pizza, cupcakes, cookies. What's the hardest thing to get players or coaches or whoever to, to be like, all right, you know what? Maybe maybe easy on like a certain type of food because everybody's got their, their guilty pleasure, right, Erica? Yes, that's very true. But I say everything in moderation, including moderation. Um, I think that for most people, it's desserts or yeah. that's what I have seen um, around the sports settings. Um, but I try to remind the guys that we're eating for performance and recovery and we're fueling here. So we're not necessarily here to eat because we like to eat. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I try to make things available to them when it's appropriate. So, you know, making sure that some higher calorie, maybe less nutrient dense options like cookies are available when they're coming off of a high volume day, knowing that the following day, they're not going to have to go out and expend as much energy. So they're not fueling with foods that are not nutrient dense that aren't going to help them Mm -hmm. perform or recover. I imagine though that players are very tuned into this though, knowing that any edge possible that you can get in this league, when you talk about just the parity from one to 32 eating properly and and doing the right things off the field. I I have to imagine guys have embraced trying to be at their best from a nutritional standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that people are creatures of habit too. So um, it's just the whole learning curve and teaching people when things are appropriate and when they're better consumed at other times. Um, So, I just try to make sure that everything is moderation. (laughs) That's great. Okay, Erica, I'll get you out of here on this. Just general nutrition for listeners of this podcast, tips, things that the Chargers are doing that really everybody should be doing. You know, I've talked about this because I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I've learned that there's certain things that I probably shouldn't have been doing anyway that has really helped me and just like, all right, maybe don't eat as many carbs in general, don't eat them before bed, or do you, just do you have any general tips for for fans out there that that may be listening to this? Sure, um, for a normal person, actually, for a lot of people, I would say that uh, people think that they consume enough water throughout the day when they don't hydration. Actually. I didn't talk to you about hydration. Okay, no. so we can talk about it here. That's <laughs> so, important. Hydration is very important. Um, you are your daily needs are to consume half of your body weight in ounces of water. So that doesn't include That's any... a lot of math for me this morning, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay, so half your body weight Wait, in it, water. Yes. Okay, so ounces of water. Okay, that's a lot of water. It is a lot of water. What does that usually equate to for okay, so for one of our players who's about 250 pounds, his daily hydration needs are 8 bottles of water. So 12 that ounce is bottles of water? 16 ounce bottles 16, of water. Okay. So that's not including what he needs during practice or after practice for any sort of weight loss. 
Okay, so, so that's just in general. it would be eight plus bottles of water. Wow. Yes. Yeah, people don't drink enough water. They do not. <laughs> <laughs> How, I, I, and I see, I see you out of, you know, guys coming out of the locker room, going on a team bus. You always have water for them or, or something to keep them hydrated. It, I, that has to be an emphasis for these guys. It is. There's always a hydration opportunity, and I, hydration is something that can affect, um, like not only your energy levels but also your recovery process and it can be preventative in terms of injuries as well especially muscle injuries so i always want to make sure that they're hydrated and then as much as we travel too when you're up on the plane you're more prone to dehydration so if i can make hydration um, available as much as possible then I'm doing a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so hydration. What else? What What are some some general tips for fans just to to stay healthy and know that they're they're going to each day with a with a good nutrition plan? Feeling good. Um, I would say every time you go to make a plate for a meal, make sure that half of it is vegetables, um, and then a quarter of it should be carbs and a quarter of it should be protein. Good carbs too, right? Yes, we want to aim for what are called complex carbs, so things that are take a little bit longer to digest but still give you the energy that you need throughout the day. So things like whole grains, brown rice, quinoa, yeah, rather than um, quicker energy things like uh, syrups and fruits and stuff like that. Sodas out, no sodas. No, thank you. <laughs> Not even diet sodas. I think that you could choose a better hydration opportunity. Um, with that being said, though, if someone is has diet sodas ingrained to their diet, there are ways to work around it. So, you know, as long as they're still getting their half of their body weight in ounces of water and they're adding a soda on top of that, then that would be okay. But we just want to make sure that you're not replacing water with sodas. Because that leads to dehydration. Erica this is awesome stuff again it it gives you an inside look at just what the players do here on a daily basis in an effort to to get their bodies in tip top shape to perform and uh, week four is on the horizon and you'll be getting these guys back in the building this week Erica Capolino we can't thank you enough for your time today thank you so much for joining us thank you the Chargers' new home, L.A. Stadium at Hollywood Park, is taking shape. And fans, this is your chance to get in on the action that starts in 2020. The stadium experience, indoor-outdoor design, and world-class amenities are all groundbreaking, along with the see-through roof and 70,000-square-foot dual-sided video board. The new L.A. Stadium speaks to what it means to be an Angelino, and your Los Angeles Chargers want you to be part of it all. Visit FightForLA.com. That's FightForLA.com today for more information. All right, welcome back to Backstage Chargers presented by Toyota. And it's not every day we welcome a Hall of Famer to the show, so it's an honor for me to have James Lofton on the line. James is going to call this Sunday's game against the 49ers on CBS. And in addition to being a Hall of Famer, he coached the Chargers wide receivers for six seasons, so he has some unique perspective on Antonio Gates and Philip Rivers and company. James, thank you so much for joining me. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing very well. You know, let's yeah. let's just start with the game last Sunday against the Rams. The Rams, along with the Chiefs, probably playing the best football of anybody in the NFL. What were your takeaways from that Week Three matchup, James? Yeah, it is interesting when you look at the charges one and two record and you go well I thought they might have started better than that and then you look at how the Chiefs had played the first three weeks and how the Rams had played the first three weeks and they played arguably the two toughest teams in the league mm-hmm. up to this point so 
looking at last week's game, the the Rams just have so much firepower, and and not only on offense, but also on defense. They just have so many players at each and every level that can make plays. Hundred percent. And you know, we saw Robert Woods. Uh, he had a day, mm-hmm. and it starts with Ty Gurley. But you know, offensively, the Chargers continue to roll and. It, it, it wasn't enough against the Rams, but Phillip Rivers at 36 years old, James, you've been around him since he came into this league. There hasn't been much drop-off from him being at his peak when you were there coaching the wide receivers. And, and there's very little that he can't do on a Sunday. You know, if, if you were really nitpicking, you say, okay, well, he probably doesn't run under five flat in the 40 anymore. But other than that, he's <laughs> great moving within the pocket. Gets rid of the ball exceptionally well, um, reads defenses, throws the ball with pinpoint accuracy. So he does everything that you want from that position. And so far, eight touchdowns and only one interception. You can't really argue with those numbers. Well, I think the emphasis on on taking care of the football, uh, I said this last week, you go back to the Chargers' last 10 wins, he had 21 touchdowns and, and one interception. Phillip has really placed an emphasis, I think, since Coach Lynn became the head coach of this team at limiting, I think maybe taking as many risks as maybe he had to do in years past just because I feel like a lot was on his shoulders. Uh, There's a pretty balanced attack around him, James. Sure, and when he looks at his defense when it's at full strength, they are capable of of holding opponents under 21 points, and 21 points is something that the Chargers can do I think probably against every defense in the National Football League. These wide receivers, Keenan Allen, we know what he's capable of, his route running. Mike Williams has really come on. During training camp, in preseason, we saw a a glimpse of what he could become, and we're certainly seeing it in the regular season now, James. Three touchdowns, his last two games, uh, two beauties uh, against the Rams. What do you see from a wide receiver like Mike Williams? 6'4", 220, uh, has the size and speed to, to do a lot of things. Yeah, and I, I think that when you are drafted as high as he was, and like you said, size, speed, strength, and obviously we can see the skill level that he's able to play at, you do have all those intangibles. You just have to be able to put them together. And, and maybe the most important thing, the, the other S I could throw in there is stay on the field because you have to be healthy at, in this league. If not, the guy who's playing behind you really isn't a whole lot less than you are, and he's going to be given opportunities if you're not ready to play. So Mike Williams last year, you know, couldn't get healthy for for long stretches of time. But this year, I think we're seeing the, the true Mike Williams and the reason why the Chargers drafted them so high. James, you have that unique perspective of, of being a, a top flight wide receiver. Just how difficult is it for a rookie? Let, let's put yourself in Mike's shoes last year, coming back in week five, week six, during during a regular season, not having that offseason as a rookie, not getting on the same page with Phillip the way he needed to. How difficult is that for a receiver going from the college game to the NFL game? Well, it's, it's just like the old schoolyard race where you're racing your best friend, and he says on your mark, you say go, and he leaves even before he says go. Yeah. And you are constantly trying to play catch-up. And so if, if you don't have – all of the OTAs, all of the minicamp, if you don't have all the time during training camp, you are constantly trying to play catch-up, and now you're playing catch-up against the best athletes in the world playing in the National Football League. Jays, when you were coaching these Chargers wide receivers, obviously Gates a tight end, but Gates was a big part of the passing game. Um, Malcolm Floyd, I think it was Keenan McCardell, 
um, Vincent Jackson. How do these weapons stack up with the weapons that you guys had when you were winning a lot of games about 10, 12 years ago? Well, it's a, it's a credit to the, the Chargers front office because you can't really think of a year when Phillip hasn't had anyone to throw to. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you went back all the way to, you know, Gates early on in his career. There's always been a go-to guy. And as teams around the league continue to throw more and the, the rules are kind of laxed a little bit to allow for the ability to throw, the Chargers have replenished those players around, around Phillips and given him a chance to continue to shine. And uh, the receivers and Phillips benefit from working together and having each other. James, are you surprised that Antonio Gates still doing what he's doing at this league for, for as long as he's done it? And, you know, you, you go back to just Sunday, picking up 25-yard gains like it's routine. Well, I, I go back to um, a game that we played on the road in Jacksonville. I don't know if it was, I believe it was uh, Antonio's rookie year. He had caught a pass and he fumbled. And I don't think he fumbled after that for five or six years. Mm. Because he, had, he, he has a certain passion, a pride about his performances that is, is unmatched with, with a lot of guys that I see around the league. And, and I just think it's that. Sure, he has a lot of talent. But I, I think it's that, that want to, that determination, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming into the NFL. You know, he'd been a great high school football player. And he goes to Michigan State right off the bat, and he's going to play football and play basketball. And when he goes down the hallway to talk to the basketball coach, they say, well, Coach Saban, Nick Saban, who was the head coach at um, Michigan State at the time, doesn't want you to play basketball. Well, here's a guy who knew what he wanted to do, and he's still like that at age 38. He knows what he wants to do. He wants to be on the field playing and trying to play for a championship. You know, we talk about this running game too, James. The way that Ken Wisenhunt and Anthony Lynn have deployed Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler these three weeks, they, they've work together seamlessly. They're both catching the ball out of the backfield, and I think it provides a, a nice added dimension to this offense that we didn't really see last year. I think Austin Eckler's emergence, coupled with with Melvin just getting more and more comfortable with Anthony Lynn's running game, uh, has led to some early success on uh, on the offense. Well, Austin Eckler had a breakout game against one of the best defenses in the National Football League last year on the road in a game that the Chargers inexplicably lost to Jacksonville yep. you know, at, at the end of the game. But that was his real coming out party. And if you can do it against Jacksonville, you can do it against other people. Uh, Melvin Gordon comes in as a first-round pick. Austin Eckler comes in as a guy who you're, you're, you're making phone calls to after the draft is over. But go, both of the players are essentially three-down running backs. So they can both play on first, second, and third down, and there's no tipping of your hand when you take one out and put the other one in. Isn't it amazing, James, where you know, we look at these running backs, and not that Saquon Barkley doesn't deserve to go number two overall, or you know, a lot of these running backs that, that have gone in the past couple of years in the first round, but I think what I'm more amazed at is, is guys like Austin Eckler, who, who go undrafted, and you see the impact that he has in his second year. He, he's not just a, a third down back. You know, we're seeing him on first and second down along with Melvin, uh, someone who can affect a football game just as much as a guy that, you know, like a Dalvin Cook or, you know, another first round running back uh, that was drafted last year, Ken. 
And I think it, it goes back to the, the scouting department because what are you looking for? Are you looking for a guy who was just a real good, you know, shove it up in between the two tackles area? Were you looking for a guy who was good out in space? Were you looking for a guy who was a, a good receiver out the backfield? But if you're looking for somebody who did all three well, regardless of what level they played at, they will probably be able to do all three when they get to the next level. So, like I said, once again, it's it's a good job by the scouting department, the coaching staff, acknowledging to each other what they want and what they're looking for in players. James, let's move to this 49ers game on Sunday at StubHub Center. Obviously, devastating news for the 49ers when you lose your quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, for the year with an ACL injury. Looks like Richard Sherman's not going to be in this game. Uh, what are you looking for in this matchup? What what comes to mind when you see these two teams going head-to-head? Well, like you said, there's a lot of star power that won't be there for the 49ers. So for the Chargers, what you really have to do is, is it's not about who we're playing, it's about how we play. And I think that the Chargers really need to establish that because, like I said, you know, you've played the Chiefs, you've played against the, the L.A. Rams, and, and you've played some of the top teams. And now you're playing against a team that has the same record that you do, one and two, but they're missing their, their signal caller. They're missing the, the heartbeat of their team. So as visitors coming into your building, you, you can't let them get a foothold in the game and really start to believe in C.J. Beathard, their quarterback who's going to be starting for them as the game progresses. So you, you would love to jump on them early. The Chargers have not scored a first possession touchdown in 20 games. Mm. It'd be a nice week to end that streak. No doubt. And we look at the NFL, James, and I don't know how many people forecasted the Buffalo Bills going into Minnesota and you know going up 24-0 yeah. on, on a team that many thought were one of the best in football. Uh, I don't think anybody really knows anything about the NFL through the first four weeks in September, but how important is it for a team like the Chargers? you, you got to be on your toes because anything can happen in this league. doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. Really, it comes down to, to just the want to, the execution, and the fact that there's so much parity in this league. Well, one of the things that the 49ers are going to do, they're, they're going to do a lot of similar things to what the Rams do. They're going to run the football, Matt Breida and Alfred Morris. They're going to play action pass, which the uh, Rams did this past week. So, And they have a a really good tight end, a kid by the name is George Kittle. Yes. And number 85. And they throw to him off of these play action passes and down the field. And he can be a tough matchup because your, your linebackers and your safeties want to step up to stop that run. He can sneak right behind them. James, the fact that the defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, a guy that has coached under Gus Bradley for a number of years, dating right. back to Seattle and Jacksonville. Is that an advantage in any way for the offense being that, you know, Phillip Rivers and company go up against this, this Gus Bradley defense on a daily basis in practice? Everybody knows something about everybody else in this league. Yeah. And, and whether it's a lot, whether it's a little bit. So, and, and you, you develop these books and this is what they like to do. This is what they're good at. But you also have to look at yourself. What do we want to do? What are we good at? And those are the things that you want to emphasize. You don't want your, your team to get so caught up in, oh, we, we kind of know their tricks when they do this. There might be a couple of route combinations that, that give uh, the Seattle Seahawks difficulties. And so that gave Atlanta difficulties when they were down there. That gave Jackson difficulties when the staff was down there. That probably gives the Chargers difficulties 
because they're of the, of the same uh, stem. So, yeah, you know about it, but you still have to go out and execute. And, and really, it gets down to that blocking and tackling along that offensive and defensive line. James, we'll get you out of here on this. What's going to decide this game for the Chargers? We talked about just playing execution, but, but what do they need to do to come out 2-2 two and two at the end of Sunday? Well, the, the, the Chargers really have a, a master at quarterback in Phillip Rivers. And the 49ers have somebody who is trying to just get started in this business, to really get it going in his second year. He had five starts last year. He was one and four in those starts. So this, this is really, you know, the master going up against the apprentice. The Hall of Famer James Lofton here on Backstage Chargers. James, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it too. Thanks for having me. All right, that'll do it for this fourth episode of the Backstage Chargers podcast presented by Toyota. Now, this is a brand new podcast, so we need your help to move this up the charts on Apple Podcasts by giving us a rating and review. Please help spread the word. This podcast posts every Tuesday, and then you want to be on the lookout for an all-new Chargers Weekly this Thursday as the Bolts are back at home against the 49ers. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.